0: than this distant image. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known.
1: Welcome to another episode of Friends Stalking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasma and with me I've got Her Holiness, the Reverend Tracy. How are you?
2: I am doing swell, Tim. Uh, It's been a beautiful day of rain, and I had to go out and be around a lot of people, which did not put me in my best mood with everything else going on that I don't have to bring up yet. So what about you, Tim? How are you?
1: Ah, oh, doing good, doing good. Um, you know, I had I did have to go to the store earlier today myself, but uh, today has just mostly been um, wrapping up notes uh, for the episode here, listening to uh, the album that we're gonna we're gonna be uh, discussing uh, at the end of the show, um, and also just keeping an eye on the news because uh, something happened last night. You may have heard of it—a little thing called the election. What are yeah. your
2: thoughts? What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, my God. Can I just say I am so glad I uh, left Texas and I the numbers show it. I'm honestly super shocked about that one. Uh, but, yeah, so just to mention, it's, it's 6.01 p.m. in Oregon on 11-4 Wednesday, so we're still kind of – you know, watching things. I'm pretty sure Tim and I both have this up in another window at this point. I've got two things that I'm watching, and so that might come up in the background. Just, you know, fun note. We don't know, so it'll be a little bit of improv on our part, I suppose. Uh, I don't like the map in general, and it kind of makes me want to move out of the country. What about you?
1: (laughs) Um, There was a great comment I saw on Twitter uh, that, uh, I, I forgot that person's name, but they said, in hindsight, maybe the Louisiana Purchase wasn't such a good idea. Um, <laughs> and, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't to say it, it's, it's just bizarre. Um, I, I In a lot of ways, I guess I, I can understand what happened in Germany in the 30s now because seeing so many people celebrating over shooting themselves in the foot just doesn't it, you know just seems bizarre and and the whole like like uh in detroit they got videos of like these protests that are happening outside of the building where they're doing the counting now detroit um in michigan the east side of the state is is where the, the majority of the democratic votes come from um where i'm from in grand rapids is quite the opposite <laughs> um but uh they have some protesters there that are saying stop the stop the count stop the count and it's just just like for a for a political party that shouts left and right about wanting freedom, how is that freedom? How is stopping the count? Freedom?
2: I don't even understand justifying stopping the count. Like these are ballots that were clearly in by deadlines. I I don't understand why this is up for question. I don't understand why there's anybody thinking it is okay to just not count votes because of, I don't know, that person may have put their vote in that ballot, like if they dropped it in a box on a Monday, like the big one. And Mm -hmm. if they don't pick up daily, I don't know the routine, by the way, in which how often they empty the drop boxes. But say they dropped it off on Monday and the person on top dropped theirs off. Well, I mean, that person may have voted a while before that other one. And what, you're saying because it didn't get counted by a certain time o'clock that... Well, it shouldn't count because I won.
1: Uh, Well, just, yeah, I mean, hearing hearing Trump's argument last night at his very frightening um, uh, speech that he gave. um, First of all, he gave a great, great argument for why the Electoral College is bullshit, because if um, you been
2: saying it for years. Sorry, I've had friends I've like lost and had fights with about this, like for just implying that there might be it. But go
1: ahead yeah i mean just the whole argument of you know we ha- we're we're in the lead in some places but we're not winning it's just like Well, yeah, I mean, talk to Hillary Clinton about that. She kind of knows a little bit about that. Um, But just to your point, like, he he openly said that in places where he knows he is going to win, the vote should continue. But in places to where he's likely to lose, the vote should stop.
2: Oh, it's the same shit when he was trying to sue early on to stop some of the mail-in in in some of the states. In some states, but not others. Really? Like, how do you not it's just it's difficult to to not see it's, it's more blatant i feel than than ever because he just says it like usually this stuff happens in the background but he's just <laughs> saying it out loud like on tv and i'm like wow okay and and people are still hmm
1: <laughs> that's a very good i, I mean it's It's heartening somewhat to see that there uh, has been pushback against uh, Trump for his comments. Um, Watching ABC's coverage last night, Chris Christie was pretty clear and pretty honest about, you know, the president shouldn't have said that, and even even a dipshit like that Ben Shapiro guy, who yes. just is a complete fucking asshole. And his cousin, his cousin, um, uh, I, I forgot her name, but she played in that movie Matilda in the nineties. Okay. The one that uh, danny devito and real perlin were in yeah
2: i love matilda that's he, like we've got that movie downstairs but i have a bad feeling
1: yeah but i, I guess uh, i mean she's i mean she is you know a progressive democrat oh, okay. it has nothing to do <laughs> with that side of the family because like i at one point she made like an obscure tweet about a family member that everybody knew was about ben shapiro uh, but she didn't name him personally but just even though even ben shapiro came out and said it's not wrong the votes need to be counted and i think about i think about it like this the fact that they are so verisif, so vocal about you know wanting the votes to not be counted says a lot about the, the, the about them knowing what the truth is because if you know count the votes if if trump ends up winning then you know we got to bite the bullet and deal with that yes. but you know for what you said if for these votes that were that were put in on time submitted on time they should be counted and the fact that people are celebrating the, the you know that the chance at stopping these votes just
2: it's sad
1: uh, it's sickening it's sad and just it, it's yeah you know we're, we're going down a very very dark path in this country there are some glimmers of hope that things could potentially change but yeah like we can all- have
2: cocaine now <laughs>
1: Uh, in Portland, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, we can have like small amounts of cocaine and heroin. I guess are okay now. I mean, granted, that's actually. I personally do think that's awesome because that means we're moving more towards a rehabilitation mindset than a retributive mindset yeah. when it comes to it. So. Uh, but anyway,
1: fe- I'm yeah, sorry, joking folks- aside. Yeah, no. And for folks that aren't aware of that, the, Portland did. Um, it, it's not that they legalized uh, hard drugs in in Portland because they can't. But what they did is decriminalize small amounts. So basically, yeah. instead of going to jail, you're getting what's comparable to a traffic fine. And you know, if if you cannot pay that fine, another option would be going through treatment, yes. which is, is much more, it's a much more appropriate and effective way to stop abuse because there are shockingly enough people that can take certain drugs and still be fine and functional. But you know, Hey, if someone has a small amount of drugs and they're driving, then yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, throw a little ticket their way. But anyway, this stuff is going to go on for a while, but yes um,
2: and by the way, there actually was a little bit of a fight that started over it. Cause I didn't watch, well, uh um, T. Diddy give his little whatever (laughs) speech because I knew I'm sorry guys I personally feel like if you were surprised that he said any of the things after I did read the full quotes because that's going to come very very much on point here in just a second the full quote um, (laughs) it's clear that yeah it was kind of screwed up what he said like given context but they're the same things he has been saying like leading up. So I don't understand why there had to be this spammy, I don't even remember the website article that was going around. And I saw it shared by like six people and it was clickbait. So by the way, if anybody knows this post that I'm talking about, I was, I didn't post it on purpose because I don't want to tell you how to feel about your resources. And if this website is something somebody cares about, I'm sorry, but it's up to you to kind of determine if that website works for you, not me. So I did vaguely reference a quote With, you know, it was only a chopped part of the entire quote. Mm -hmm. But mind you, the news article that was being shared by a lot of people was not a legit news article. And, like, made it sound like not exactly what had been said. So, anywho, I was trying to make a point that it was a perfect example of a clickbait posing as news. And saying a jarring news line to market at you.
1: And you did the right thing, too, because a lot of people, especially on Twitter that I see, um, will rage at articles like that, but they're also retweeting the articles, and the people that run those yeah. companies care nothing more than to spread the word. Yes. It's, it's like, about please the advertising dollars.
2: share legitimate ones. like. And some of these, and it was funny, because I know one of my friends did take it down, and it wasn't, like, I didn't shame them or anything. They just, like, kind of, they read my posts and messaged me and realized, like, yeah, you know what? There's a better article I can share. And that's really kind of more of the point. Share yeah. good resources. Please just watch that reshare button. We knew he was going to say something like this. And if you didn't really know, I, I guess, like, huh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> He's a yeah. narcissist still.
1: Yeah, I mean, but but I I do think that the actions that we're seeing are the actions of a bully. Uh, the, they, they, he wants to project this air of menace. of fe- He wants to inject fear to stop people from reacting to him like any bully would. And the numbers, as they are coming out, are leaning towards Biden winning the presidency. Thank goodness. On the flip side, though... Republicans still hold that majority in the Senate. So at least for two more years, nothing's going to happen. It's going to be more of the bickering back and forth. And then that smug piece of shit, Mitch McConnell, with his jowls of doom. I
2: mean, side note, maybe we try to make it a point to tell all of our friends, vote in two years. Please don't wait for four more. Vote every two, because yes, those are big changes can happen. But just by the way, like, this isn't going to be over tonight. Come on. No matter who comes out of this at the end, there's going to be recounts and stuff. Like, it's pretty much already been said. And I guess that's why I'm taking a breath. Because, yeah, I'm watching the numbers and I care. Um... But at the same time, I know this isn't going to be the end of it, unfortunately, like no matter which one it is. And in a way, that is kind of nice because in an offshot, it goes in a certain other direction tonight. I at least know there are going to be challenges going on to that and trying to figure out what's going on and find the person who is best suited to run our country right now, which is what I personally care about.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully, um, in my opinion, I I want Biden to win uh, because uh, just because the, it, this is the, the, these past four years have been a major scar on this country, and if we continue down this road of just complete ignorance and beholden to, uh, I mean, because we are getting stomped on by by the, by the elite few. And they are laughing at us. You know, they're laughing at this divide between us. You know, they love seeing, like, there was a, there was a guy who interrupted a press conference uh, uh, in Las Vegas um, who was just an ignorant, ignorant bastard doing the whole, just, stop the count, man. Just, just it wasn't intelligent at all. But people are laughing at that. The people in power, because someone like Jeff Bezos... He's gonna make a lot more money now uh, yeah. no matter what, which way this goes and it, it just benefits them more and more people need to be more educated. I know what I'm gonna do I've made made it a point especially with everything going on to make sure that I'm more educated than I have been you know in terms of you know to your point reading the articles, making sure um, I, I, I follow news sources that are legitimate and not just you know sensationalist or, or whatever. Um, but, man, just yeah. what a weird time we're living in, um, which kind of dovetails into what I wanted to talk about this week, and it involves the world of professional wrestling. Whoa! Having set- <laughs> yeah, so excited. You love that. But, but in a way, this kind of does touch upon other things as well. Even though it involves wrestling, it's more of a labor issue than anything. Um, the WWE, uh, a few months back, uh, made an edict that their "quote unquote" independent contractors could not use third-party uh, programs like Twitch, um, like OnlyFans. Some of them were doing non-pornographic stuff on OnlyFans, like selling, um, you know, like bikini portraits or whatever. And if, if that makes some money, great. Um, it, but they told them to stop doing that, which uh, kind of irked uh, someone by the name of Andrew Yang. Have you heard of him?
2: No. Not in the wrestling world. I'm mostly learning through you.
1: <laughs> well, Andrew Yang is not a professional wrestler. In fact, he uh, was actually one of the candidates uh, that were, tried to run for the Democratic primary. Um, ultimately, did not win. Um, obviously, but um, he's he was he's also a big wrestling fan. He's um, uh, you know commented a number of times on pay per views that he watched and whatnot. But one thing he kept an eye on is uh, what's going on with the WWE with uh, them kind of forcing. <laughs> (laughs) Again, they're independent contractors, (laughs) not to, um, you know, use programs like Twitch, and it's it's because when you think of independent contractor it's it's someone that is taking money to do a quick service for you but you are not necessarily employing them um, but with the WWE their performers have to essentially sign contract I mean the WWE performer not going to be able to show up on a competition like aew show on Wednesday they're not going to be able to um, you know do it. They, they are essentially employees but but thanks to Vince McMahon and you know throwing his money around at the Republican Party um it's funny enough. The reason that the WWE has been able to do live performances in Florida is because uh, Linda McMahon, who was on uh, Trump's cabinet, um, who is now who is uh, leading uh, one of Trump's uh, re-election campaigns, made a donation of eighteen million dollars to uh, Governor DeSantis, and magically the WWE was able to um, <laughs> able to uh, perform live again. But um, you know just. <laughs> because of the pandemic these performers uh, especially with stuff like twitch have been uh, essentially making up for some lost income because beforehand before, you know before all of the- uh, majority of their income would come through stuff like merchandising or live shows. If they're not doing live shows, they're not selling as much merchandise, so they're not making as much money. So they have to supplement their income some other way, hence a place like Twitch. But um, with the WWE saying they can no longer do that, you're getting folks that are going to be losing out on a lot of money. Um, let me see some of the notes I had here. I mean, just it's bizarre it's it, it's it's the, the labor the, the people in this country are so used to getting stomped on by their employers these days like look what happened in california with with that ballot that that was defeated thanks to uh, the efforts of uber and lyft um you know the uber and lyft spent uh over 200 million dollars to um uh, to fight against this measure that would turn Uber and Lyft drivers into employees, they are they are no longer they are not employees now because those those ballots failed. And it's it, I don't know. It's oh, what do you got to say about it? <laughs> uh,
2: I actually didn't follow california i i'm very selective on how much i'm letting in just because yes i i'm very invested in how the election goes but i have to kind of put a cap on how much i follow everywhere like i do think it's hilarious like how well notified i can totally be accidentally on who legalizes pot just by listening to npr for 10 minutes on the way to the store but like i didn't hear anything about this so that's kind of funny that i heard but, you know, it, it's OPB here, so it's going to focus more on the Oregon stuff. And that's why I know, you know, unfortunately, Sarah Inero, because I had happened to, I, I thought possibly a move away from Wheeler might be right, but I guess this is how we voted, so here's where we're going. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've kind of focused a little bit more on some of the local stuff that passed and not the uh, Uber stuff. But as somebody who's driven for Postmates, that's interesting. Um, I was kind of hoping it turned into more of, you know, like, what didn't they do it up in Washington, I think?
1: um not not familiar because it's because i mean the whole argument when it comes to uber and lyft and with the wwe is that these major corporations are making billions of dollars off the backs of people that have no security you know like an uber and lyft driver if an uber driver gets into a car accident Uber's not going to be the one that's that's going to have to worry about anything. It's going to be the driver. And kind of same with the WWE uh, uh, performers. If you know they get into an accident, they're essentially on their own. Or um, you know something like uh, the Twitch thing. If they're told they have to get off of uh, these services that they're make that are making them supplemental income, uh, you know, unfortunately they're in a spot where they have to they have to listen. Um, on, on, on the one hand, when it comes to WWE thing, I, I can understand them wanting to maybe monitor uh, what they do because we're talking about a service to where the performers can talk to fans and if the performers start talking about backstage stuff that could ruin spoilers, fine. That's something you could put a foot down. That Uh, seems legit that that is reasonable but um what they're seeing what they want to do is that they don't want the performers having their own twitch channels they will essentially the wwe wants to take over their twitch channel and get a portion of the money because they say that they're the ones that have made the made the names famous of the people that have these these twitch channels so they deserve the income and just it's it's just really disheartening especially after uh, seeing the results of the, of the election, of, of seeing people that could benefit by changes, of forcing these major corporations to treat their employees as actual employees. But, um, you know, once again, you know, major corporations are going to win out.
2: <laughs> you wouldn't think you'd have to incentivize uh, <laughs> that, but I, I guess you do.
1: Yeah. But anyway... Let's let's move on from that from to something hopefully a little more uplifting. What have you been nerding out about this week?
2: So I have been nerding out over a basically it's it's a blog, but it's kind of a webcomic style blog, and I know I did share it with you. Mm-hmm. Um sorry, excuse me, just kind of clear my throat. <laughs> but um <laughs> I was like really quick. Uh Hyperbole and a Half. Um the author, her name is Allie Broche, and I think I'm saying that right. I'm just I'm shit with names, I'll admit it every time. But apparently, she has come out with uh, a book again, and it's the first one in seven years. It's one that I bought. She, by the way, is probably my most favorite human that I have never actually met. Um, The (laughs) author of, like I said, my all-time favorite webcomic. I guess a lot of people say it's not really a comic. It's just an illustrated blog, but I'm not going to get into semantics. Um, The new one is called Solutions and Other Problems. (laughs) Uh, but she got permission to release one of the chapters and that's what I nerded out about and I actually shared it with Tim. So before I go into, you know, notes about like the book and kind of background, I'm just curious, what were your thoughts? Uh, have you, you did say, I think you had seen other stuff
1: um well i've seen uh the artwork i didn't uh realize uh the source and i didn't realize that it were stories that went along with it um uh the story uh from the chapter that that she released was definitely uh I- interesting <laughs> um and, and it's one of those it's one of those it, it's cute because it happened to a young kid type of story um but it's it's i i it 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 was a tight rope walk in terms of how she was able to tell that. And if she took a wrong turn, it could have uh, ended up a lot more creepier than it, than it really did. But it was a very, very cute and heartwarming story, even though there are a lot of creepy elements to it. <laughs> you
2: know? And I think that is actually such a perfect way to like, just sum her up. She mm-hmm. managed to bring you into all of these stories that are based on just across her life. She will suck you in, and it's like, how did all of these things happen to you, and you remember them? Like, I wish I remembered enough, because I know I've probably been through, like, I was raised on a farm, so I probably have all kinds of weird stories, but, like, one of my favorite ones is she also, because she goes dark very often, and I'll get in, very famous for some actual, like, mental health awareness stuff, but I'll get into in a minute,
0: mm-hmm. but um,
2: she does go dark, one of my favorite comics, and I, I wanted to, Cry! I was, like, laughing so hard by the time I got to the end of it, is called uh, The Time of Fish Almost Destroyed by Childhood. Okay. And basically she, I don't remember, she went fishing. I need to, like, read it again. I'll probably end up sharing it since I mentioned it specifically. But um, she basically gets this fish and decides she wants to, like, dig a little pond, like, in the backyard. So it's another childhood story. And she, like, dumped her little buckets of water. But she's a kid and doesn't realize that she's going to soak into the ground right. so it's this it is a long story but she manages to bring you in the whole way and it ends up where she just like tries to kill this fish like bludgeon it because she feels bad that it's suffocating and like it ends okay. with like i won't end, i will you know what i will not ruin the ending i will save that for it but yeah so that being said it is really funny It takes like kind of a really dark humor there at the end of that one, particularly, but but that happens uh, a bit. So it did make me kind of dust off the old book one. And in book one, I I bought it um, after I had known about the website for a while. And I actually didn't know a lot of background stuff that happened with her with Reddit. Uh, So she signed a book deal in 2011, the book deal of the book that I wound up with that I absolutely love. Um, But also famously revealed her struggles with depression, both on Reddit and in her comic. And that is what I remember. And the two comics um, that they're talking about, uh, I'm pretty sure, I mean, these would be the two that I think of with depression, because there's not like a lot that I could think of, but, uh, it's a adventures in depression and depression part two and adventures in depression came out in 2011 and that was really important for me. Like when I, when I saw that one, when she released that one, I actually remember it having a really big impact on my life because it was the first time I like really related like on that level. And like, it kind of felt relatable, like being somebody that deals with depression and anxiety, like it's hard there's not a lot of stuff that's like dude that's what I feel like like I get it and because I used to joke that you know not crying was a superpower and there's kind of this point where she's like I am invincible because she realizes that she doesn't like cry or like emote anymore and she kind of manages to bring you in and make you care and make you see that it's serious but also makes it funny um she's delightful I highly recommend Uh, whenever she came out about her depression and her thoughts of suicide in 2013 she got an overwhelming response from fans Um, 380,000 Facebook likes 72 million website views and she was just showered with thousands of comments of support so she's just really kind of a great story Mm -hmm. and she got a lot of people online talking about mental health and I kind of thank her for that Um, yeah that's, uh, I can't talk, say good enough things about her. I, I guess I kind of just nerd crush on her a little bit in a way, but I, I loved the end of the depression comics and she's got this really awesome colorful and her hands are up in the air and there's a rainbow. and I It's my favorite thing that's been my background so many times on my personal computers. It said, maybe everything isn't hopeless bullshit. So since we had to talk about like election stuff and things like that, I'm kind of glad that I can leave it at Maybe everything isn't hopeless bullshit. We can have some hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I posted that on, on our Facebook page, that Monty Python song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, last night, because in times like this, you have to. Um, and, and to your point, it is any anybody that can help Legitimize the, the open discussion of, of mental health, you know, needs to be applauded for what they do. Cause especially in this country, um, it's, it's not, it's not encouraged. And the more it is encouraged, the more healthier I think we're all going to be. You know, I mean, people need to feel comfortable, kind of, because a lot of times when it comes to like stuff like you know, suicide and whatnot, it, it, it throws people for a loop because the because like you don't necessarily see the warning signs until after the fact because people are just trained to not want to talk about it, you know, but the more we are open, the more we talk about it, the more we talk about our feelings, the more healthy it's, it's going to be overall. And, right. you know, I, I think, yeah, just, I mean, you can hear me flustered, you know, talking about the election. Um, I, I had points already and then
2: just uh, all over the place. Oh yeah. And then we went on, but you know what, maybe it'll be good content. I, I think it was a good, yeah. we we nerd out politically and that's okay. Like that yeah. is all gravy.
1: <laughs> but we but, had to, yeah. we wanted to end it on something positive here, so um, yeah, definitely give uh, what was the name of it? hyperbole hyperbole and a half, and, a half, and I'll make and sure half, that you got yeah. the
2: link, you know, in time for for putting up show notes and everything. But uh, you know, yep, uh, lots more awareness out there. Keep the conversation open because honestly, there's a lot of shit that we shove down as a culture that I don't think is healthy, and that's why I'm a big proponent of mindfulness and stuff like that, and looking into tools that work for you because. Our health system just doesn't seem to be jumping to the task of helping with this.
1: No. Uh, one thing that can help, though, especially in times of quarantine, especially in times of being stuck in your home with uh, any number of things in the news today, is binge watching. <laughs> we Yay! are ready for the Nerdy Five this week, and our choice was our top five favorite shows that you can binge. Um, you're the one who brought this to the table here. What was uh, the reason behind that?
2: So um, (laughs) just in case, you know, maybe we have to lock in again, I thought, like I might be at this point, many of our listeners might be kind of tapped on their Netflix from the first time we had to go through this because we haven't had a lot of content come out since. So I wanted to try to put together some things that I thought maybe wouldn't end up on any other top five list but I really enjoyed it. And I did want it to be complete seasons because if you're going to be locked in, whether it be because we actually do have a lock in or, you know, some places of employment, if you're sick, you're home for two weeks. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, so these are just some things that I thought they were good to watch. I'd like to share them in general. If anybody wants something to watch all the way from beginning to end.
1: All right. All right. So, as usual, we'll go through a list kind of back and forth here. Um, let's start off with your number one. What is the first one on your list?
2: So, my number one, I mean, I have to start with Pirates. Who doesn't love Pirates? There's a show called Black Sails, and it came out in 2014. Do you know Black Sails? Um,
1: sounds familiar, but I, it's nothing I came across. Tell us about it.
2: I don't mind. So, (laughs) prequel to the novel Treasure Island. It's actually set about 20 years earlier, which was really interesting about it. Um, (laughs) It also does feature a lot of real-life pirates who were fictional in the show, like... You know, this isn't a true story, so this is not, you know, a, a biopic or anything like that, or a bio series. But real-life pirates who are fictionalized in this show include Anne Bonny, Benjamin Hornigold, Jack Rackham, Charles Vane, Ned Lowe, Israel Hands, and Blackbeard himself. Ooh. But it was really cool. It actually kind of focuses on the hunt to seek out the Spanish treasure. It's on, I think it's the Urca de Lima, because... By the end of the show, they were just calling it the Urca. Um, (laughs) So it's like, I think it was DeLima. But, you know, I guess the Treasure Island treasure had to come from somewhere. So this is the originating story. It mostly focuses around that. You know, it kind of takes us up to the very end and trying to get the treasure and how it gets lost. Uh, And then eventually you get into other themes and tensions between the pirates and the British Empire as they start to fight to gain control over New Providence. So... It's a really interesting one. Um mostly it's I don't do a lot of period pieces, but this one was a really good one.
1: Okay. It's uh, funny, note. Um In college, uh, actually, uh, when I, I I studied theater in college, and uh, one of the plays that I was actually uh, able to get a part in was Treasure Island. I played Doctor Livesey. So um, maybe I will have to ultimately check that out to see if my character is in there and if he still kicks ass, because that was my one action. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a play, but it was my action movie moment. So
2: well, it's Netflix, I believe, is where we watched it. Okay. I think it's either there or Hulu. That's normally where we and we watched that one somewhat recently, so it should still be there.
1: One of the other. Okay, I will go with my first choice then. Um, who loves? Who doesn't love professional wrestling? I do. It's 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 you know up there with comic books and jazz is one of the great American art forms. And uh, <laughs> uh, one show I had to put on is a show I'm sure you have not heard of called Lucha Underground. Um, it was. Uh, it was a show that was on the El Rey network El Rey was uh, created by Robert Rodriguez and Robert Rodriguez is actually one of the producers on the show along with Mark Burnett Mark Burnett was the creator of Survivor Um, so what they did is uh, with uh, in in association with the Mexican professional wrestling company AAA uh, they brought they created the show Lucha Underground and it's unique uh, it's a unique show now uh, for shows like WWE or AEW um, they have their shows on and they kind of present it as if it is a sporting event, but it's a fictionalized version. They are still telling a story, but they present it like a sporting event. Lucha Underground was unique in the fact that they did not do that. They had definitive seasons, and they told very specific storylines within those seasons, uh, which I really liked, and it kind of helped um, uh, it it was one of the first, they were one of the first companies that helped kind of spur the whole cinematic cinematic, uh, way that you can tell stories in professional wrestling, Um, which if you're not a wrestling fan, you're not going to care regardless, (laughs) but but, um, I I did like the fact that uh, they were able to kind of open the door to some new avenues to tell stories in professional wrestling, which I like, you know, up to and including having a wrestler with a metal arm that punches a guy's head completely off during a scene. You know, there are murders that happen, um, you know, in, in between the story. But uh, if you're a fan of wrestling, there's also some very, very good wrestling that 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 occurs uh, in this. So um, it's it's going to be a love it or hate it type of show. If you are not a wrestling fan, which I know you are not, you you're probably not going to search this out or enjoy it. But, um, it's, it's, if you are a wrestling fan and you, um, or just looking for something that that may have passed you by when it first came out. This is the show to check out. Uh, it is on Tubi, um, that is uh, an app similar to Pluto TV, uh, to where you get a bunch of content that you can watch, but you got to deal with commercials. Oh me, oh my! I, you know, I think there are worse things in the world to deal with, but you know, for the amount of talent that you have on that show for what they were able to do for professional wrestling in terms of opening because they were also too one of the first companies that opened the door for intergender wrestling and which, which I I thought they handled it uh, really well. It wasn't like every single match was an intergender match, but they played it just right to where they acknowledged the, Physical limitations female performers had against the men, but were able to show that, you know, the 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 female performers were thinking, you know, strategically and trying to, you know, look for their opponent's weaknesses and all that stuff. But really good show. It's on Tubi. What is your next choice?
2: So my number two, uh, this isn't what you would call like a traditional series. Like it doesn't have multiple seasons, but it was like a four four episode run if mm-hmm. you will. Um, but When They See Us, it came out in 2019. Did you did you uh, see that one?
1: No, I did not. Um, looks like Mr. Reverend is dropping off some tea for you.
2: <laughs> yes, Mr. Reverend <laughs> is dropping me off some soup that I'm sure is hot and I will get later. Candy. Oh, and candy that I will not eat. Look at that! <laughs> Magic hands. Don't mind us YouTube folks.
1: This is a YouTube exclusive folks, <laughs> But, uh... Go ahead.
2: Oh, anyway, so when they see <laughs> us. Um did you get a chance to see When They See Us?
1: No, I didn't I didn't see I didn't see oh, When They Man. See Us.
2: Okay, When They See Us is really good. As I mentioned, it's not like a traditional series, it's just like a four so really it's like a, a mini there's a term for that, isn't there? Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, like in America, it'd probably be a miniseries. Um, in okay. England, it, they would just call it a, they would call it Series 1 or something like a, a series.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, a, it's kind of a docu-series, but yeah, it's not a, it's not a straight documentary, so it's almost sort of that bio-flickness of it, but yeah. Um, it's based on the events uh, that happened back April 19th of 1989. There was a Central Park jogger case, and it explores the lives of five male juveniles of color who were prosecuted on charges related to the sexual assault of a female victim and their families. I know so, what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is extremely unsettling, but it is also very thought-provoking and crazy relevant right now. So if you haven't seen this this uh, dramatization of those events and like kind of how they portray how they questioned those kids um it's very interesting to watch i mean granted they're not saying that it is a documentary so you should always take that with a grain of drama but enjoy i like i said extremely thought-provoking very good and crazy relevant right now
1: Yeah, and I think that was uh, created by Ava DuVernay um, who, she directed the movie A Wrinkle in Time Um, I think she directed Selma as well, Um, and also the documentary that's on Netflix I think it's called 13th, but it's about uh, the 13th Amendment and how, um, you know, the United States went from slavery to um, the private prison complex and, you know, essentially shifted slavery over into a Prisons and whatnot, but definitely, definitely something, you know, especially with who we still have currently in the White House at the moment, um, you know, with his involvement uh, in in that Central Park Five case. Because I remember um, when that, uh, you know, it it wasn't a big story that I followed back in the day, <laughs> but it was a big story. People were yes. aware of it back then, and um, it, it, people are, are very much guilty of it. It's. It, it, I, I, think what I remember more than anything is the rush to judgment that people had, you know, yeah. it's just like you hear like a news person on ABC, uh, you know, the evening news, give a two minute talk about it. And all of a sudden you're a legal expert and you know everything about that case. And you know, for a fact that they are 100% guilty. Come on, come on, you know, all and,
2: right. my, my personal stance will always be, I was not in the room. I'm allowed to share my opinion all I want, but if I wasn't there, I just simply wasn't there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just crazy because I – there's an Adam Ruins Everything episode where they talk about kind of our, our justice system being screwed up. But there's also a book called Unfair, and I read, like, a good chunk of it, and I still own it, and I still want to finish it. So, like, this the the whole thing of watching how they interrogate and, like, some of the eyewitness stuff, and it's just – it's really interesting to watch, especially if you are that type of person that already a little bit nerds out or has had interest in exploring that topic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. all right.
2: so your uh, number
1: two. My number two, uh, <laughs> We go from super serious to just um, a goofy romantic comedy. Spaced. I think uh, I think I've, I've shown this to you before.:
2: Yes, and I have still not managed to see it yet, even though I believe it is a Simon Pegg one.
1: Yes. Okay, Um, good. I nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, that is where Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, um, for our YouTube folks, uh, Tracy did happy dance. Hey,
2: I don't always remember stuff, so I was like, really? I was like, wait, pretty sure Simon Pegg. Yes.
1: Yes. Um, but but yeah, that's where uh, he Simon Pig first made his name. But that um, but there are a lot of great performers on the show. Like the co-creator of the show, uh, Jessica Hines, who plays Daisy Steiner on the show, um, did a lot of the writing as well. Um, and and just just an overall. Beautiful, beautiful show. Um, it starts with two people, uh, Tim Bisley, played by Simon Pegg, and Daisy Steiner uh, by Jessica Hines. They're in like, Tim is breaking up with his girlfriend and needs a place to live. Daisy is living in a place to where she doesn't want to be anymore. She needs a place to live. They happen to meet up at a cafe, become friends, and then discover an apartment that's available, but it's only available to couples. So they pretend to be a couple to get the apartment and it's two se- uh they call it series in England so it's two series long each series kind of tells its own individual story but both together tell one overall story if that makes sense um yeah. but it's just really funny it's really smart uh, some of the best writing I, I've seen in a sitcom probably ever and just with the way it ends on such a happy beautiful note it's it's just a beautiful beautiful show um, it, it, you can find it on uh, Hulu and Amazon Prime um, definitely one I cannot um, I, I cannot recommend this enough and and for folks that may not be aware of this show, this show was essentially the spiritual, um, the spiritual thing that kind of gave birth to Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, the Cornetto Trilogy. So um, if you want to see where those ideas essentially gave, you know, blossomed first, watch Spaced. You will not regret it. What is your third choice?
2: All right. My third choice is a show that I'm not sure I'm really going to have to explain very much, but BoJack Horseman. Never seen it. Oh, but do you know what it's about? Oh, Oh, okay. Well, pardon me then. I really thought this one, because, you know, it's kind of a bigger show. Um, So, actually, my note is, I think most people know this show. Um, (laughs) Except (laughs) for Tim. He's a dummy. (laughs) Apparently, I really set myself up for success for you not knowing what the show was about. But, uh, uh, anthropomorphic horseman named BoJack Horseman, I mean, he's kind of a washed-up old 90s family show star. I think Bob Saget era. Like, it was like washed-up Bob Saget was kind of like, anyway, he's okay. got a lot of really just unhealthiness and narcissisms, and he abuses drugs and alcohol, and it's very blatant. <laughs> um, and there is a lot of humor to it. It is a very funny show. It Actually, um, BoJack Horseman is voiced by Will Arnett. There is also the lovely Alison Brie. Yes, Alison Brie that is in there, um, who I, I love. I love her community. And then Glow. Because, by the way, hey, that's the closest I've gotten to wrestling. I did watch a little bit of GLOW. But, um, <laughs> well, that's, I
1: mean, that's a wonderful show. And it, Anyway, go ahead. Go.
2: Yeah, but basically, BoJack Horseman has received a lot of high praise for its realistic take on... Um, I'm actually going to read, just because there's a lot of lists here. Depression, trauma, addiction, self-destructive behavior, racism, sexism, sexuality, and the human condition. I haven't actually binged this show yet. So I personally think that like since it's finished. Um because of all the topics that it carries, and it's very dark too, like it really goes into some whole oh, shit, like themes and thoughts and darkness. But um I think that's what makes it so interesting, but it kind of goes in like it said, that darkness of the human condition. And um watching him go through all those things like now that it's all out and it can be condensed and watched in a row. I tend to enjoy shows in a different way when they're watched all in a row versus when you've watched it over years of it coming out. So personally, I'm excited to take another crack at it if I have time, like beginning to end, just shoot. Uh, But it's actually I wonder if that's one that you would like at all.
1: Uh, it's certainly possible. Um, I, 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 I know with me, and I, you know, I, you've seen this in action before. I, I usually will um, become a fan of something like 10 to 15 years after it's first big. Um, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the biggest example. Um, when that was first out, I avoided that show like the plague. But then, about 10 years after that show went off the air, it appeared on Netflix. I sat down one day and then just fell in love with it and then, like, binged the entire thing right away. And it's probably going to be the same thing uh, with me on this one. I mean, I've definitely come across it, definitely familiar with the name. But... um, I, I'm just weird when it comes to my entertainment. If if Because like Professor Aubrey at times will put something on and I always feel bad when this happens because everybody's experienced it. Like, oh, I think you're going to love this. I'm going to put this on and you're going to watch it and you'll love it. And then she puts it on and I'm like, meh and then, you know yeah they, uh, from i bear, mean uh,
2: usually my experiences was totally unfounded and not close to any of my interests like everybody was just on me about game of thrones like tracy you have to watch game of thrones and i'm like no i don't i i do not have to watch anything yeah. <laughs> but at least like yeah that is a bummer like when you think somebody's gonna like something and then they watch it and it's just like wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: never happened to me hey <laughs> um,
2: but uh
1: what about your number three? My number three uh, recently debuted on Disney Plus. Um, one uh, aspect that uh, some folks were not aware of of Disney purchasing 20th Century Fox it was the was the was the chance that uh, was the idea was the fact that if I can talk that, yeah. um, <laughs> that that they were able to purchase the National Geographic Channel and National Geographic, and one show that came along with that that is now on Disney Plus is cosmos the neil degrasse tyson version um have you seen that uh
2: i've seen some of it cosmos because that's one that i'm pretty sure we've played like i said like we do a story of god sometimes when we're trying to sleep because of some of my sleeping issues noise right. and he's he's definitely one of those voices i'm pretty sure we've played some cosmos in the background before Yeah,
1: it's uh, that show when it came out, um, when it first came out was right about the time that I accepted the fact that I was an atheist. So it was nice kind of hearing like, you know, the the history of science and how um, it kind of has battled against the religious forces for the longest time. Um, Funny enough, the show is uh, we have uh, Seth MacFarlane. To thank for for the show, um, I guess uh, him uh, he came across uh, the, he he met Neil deGrasse Tyson at some fundraiser or something like that, and uh, Neil um, had a long history with uh, um, Carl Sagan's uh, family um, and uh, was interested in getting Cosmos off the air, but didn't have many people that were interested in it and seth MacFarlane was like let me make a few phone calls so thanks to seth MacFarlane's involvement they were able to get a very sizable budget for uh what they what they were able to pull off so they have uh, some pretty good special effects uh computer generated special effects on the show plus they were able to get it shown on fox which you know for a show of that nature it was huge um, you know, and just overall, the, the the history lessons you go throughout. Um, there's animation that kind of tells a lot of the history, and there's some famous names that do some voices, like Patrick Stewart, um, you know, who's good friends with Seth MacFarlane, uh, was, yeah. was able to uh, be, be brought in. But, um, it's, it's kind of a retelling of, of Carl Sagan's original Cosmos, but it's not like a reboot uh, or anything, it's just kind of like it's, it's the same stories, maybe some new updated information, but it's just a new way of telling those stories to an audience that may not have heard it, unfortunately. Because as we can see on the news, our education system is not the best. <laughs> yeah, America. Um, America. <laughs> yeah, so just uh, it's, it's, it's one. I, if you're going to watch it. I, it, it just it, j- watch it from start to end it's a beautiful show and, and you know it, you will shed some tears at the very uh, last episode because the last episode ends with uh, Car- they actually have the, the Carl Sagan an audio of Carl Sagan um, you know, doing uh, his monologue of the pale blue dot um, of of you know the time that they had uh, one of the satellites that went out into deep space turn around and look at Earth one last time and it was one tiny little dot and it was just a beautiful speech and just it 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 makes you realize what the world really is and it doesn't involve some magical being in the sky just you know b- b- blindly you know oh you follow me I love you great you're gonna get all this stuff in the world but if you don't follow me I'm gonna put you in hell because that's what a great loving creator would do right um, but anyway. Anyway, what's your fourth choice?
2: So my fourth choice is another period piece, uh, Peaky Blinders. Have you heard of that one?
1: Heard of it. Uh, haven't seen it. Um, what is the name? Killian Murphy, uh, the guy with the unique face who will always play a bad guy.
2: Yeah, he didn't he play Scarecrow?
1: He was the scarecrow. And okay, of the day, at huh?
2: least, see, those are the ones that I usually screw up. So that's an extra happy dance for me because I was like, yes, got <laughs> it again. I am, like, on a roll or something. We need a um, counter
1: for the YouTube show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How many times Tracy's memory actually doesn't fail her? <laughs> it's amazingly <laughs> few. Anyway, so Peaky Blinders, like I said, I don't usually do period pieces. That's why I just kind of threw these two on there because they are really good. And mm. it was actually something my husband was watching, and I slowly got pulled into it. I don't think I would have sat and watched this show and technically uh black sales same thing it was something that he would put on and i kind of like oh okay this is actually really cool um it's set in england it's by the way it's a bbc show but it is av- available on netflix i do love that netflix tends to have a lot of bbc and that's also great exposure just to to content that you can watch during these times Mm -hmm. and it follows the exploits of the shelby crime family in the direct aftermath of the first world war the fictional family is loosely based on a real 19th century urban youth gang of the same name um who were active in the city from the 1890s to the early 20th century so lots of fighting good amounts of suspense and one of the gangster fam gets to run to be member of parliament so it takes some interesting turns Um, I won't spoil if he gets it or not but uh, you know if you haven't seen it yet I'd say it's worth checking out and it's complete I forget how many seasons some of these are I I neglected to take notes on how long some of these are so but some of you know one the other one was like super short so I figure it kind of makes up
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it's sometimes nice, too, to have those seasons that, you know, that go for, like, eight, nine, ten or seasons, or sometimes, in the case of The Simpsons, a lot more, you know, just to be able to have that extra content available.
2: Yeah, and it's as long as the story in this one, this was the case for me, whatever it was, like, I didn't feel like it drug on too long, like, oh, my God, is this not done? I just want to know how you finish the characters, um, which, yeah, that only Kind of reminds me, but it's not out. Never mind. See, I couldn't have used that one anyway. Sorry. I was having like a hindsight, r- r- like, oh no, there was a different show I could have used, but I'm just going to shut up now. So, Peaky Blinders, <laughs> good stuff. What's your number four?
1: And we were so close to happy dance number
2: three. <laughs> we got Can it. You- we should just reduce the number. Like just put it up <laughs> just in minus one.
1: Okay, my number four. It is currently on Netflix. Um, I believe it was on Showtime before, but uh it's a little show starring Bruce Campbell called Ash vs the Evil Dead. Have you watched that?
2: I have not, but I feel like that's one that's been recommended at me before.
1: Have you seen any of the original Evil Dead movies?
2: No. Oh. I know people find yeah. it surprising how little cuz aren't a uh, zombie movie no yes
1: a uh, technical not it's not a George Romero type of zombie, but there's a lot of, uh, like a lot of the, they call them deadites. Um, it's, it's, it's in, in the story. So it's like, it's like people get these spirits that inhabit them, but then, you know, they can turn ugly throughout. Um, the original movies were done by, uh, Sam Raimi, um, who, uh, went on to do stuff like Spider-Man. He's going to do, uh, Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, his first movie in the MCU. Um, but you know, Bruce Campbell is, uh, freaking legend um you know one of my favorite movies uh is uh, army of darkness you know uh, not just because you know he mentions my hometown in his big boomstick speech Uh, (laughs) uh halfway through but um i i love this show um uh, one reason I really love it is that the production. It, it was filmed in New Zealand, but you wouldn't know that if you were if if you grew up in Michigan, because um you know Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, the producers, all Michigan born. So um you know the the, the little touches they had in there, like there was a hospital scene uh, they were in at one point, and they had a soda machine, and the soda was Fago. Fago is a regional uh, soda, you know, made famous by the Insane Clown Posse. Um, oh, <laughs> but it's it's one of those deals that you know, if you're in Michigan, you 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 know, you would definitely recognize that. And they had like tigers banners everywhere, and they did a really good job of making it feel like you were in Michigan, even though it was done in New Zealand. Um, the, the same team that did this show was the same team that did shows like Xena, Warrior Princess. So it's no surprise that uh, Lucy Lawless is in. The show and plays a major character. Um, she's, uh, I, I'm not going to spoil it, so I'm not going to go into too much detail here. But she um, is. She has a wonderful time chewing up the scenery, and I mean, if you're a fan of Lucy Lawless, you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy uh, what she does with this show. But. It's funny as hell because Bruce. I mean, if, if you're familiar with Bruce Campbell, you know he can be sarcastic and just that cocky, um, jackass type of type of character. Um, but but it's also gory and scary as fuck. Um, I know it's a show that Professor Aubrey would not like to watch at all. She is not a fan of anything horror related. Like there was, I forgot the show, but there was a. Sh- no, it was it was. We were playing Jeopardy. We were we were, um, proct- we were uh, <laughs> each pract- we were each practicing for No Chance in Hell, which is coming this Thanksgiving, where I will beat her. Um, but we were practicing by playing Jeopardy on uh, the PS4, and um, I had turned the music off, but the announcer was still on. So what it would do, it would go to the Jeopardy screen, loading, 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 quiet, absolute quiet. And then the announcer, this is Jeopardy! It just, like, really loud. I mean, it didn't say it like that, of course, but it was just really loud in the speaker, and I knew it was coming. And then I, you know, just did a, you know, click, like, boom, type of, type of thing to her when it hit. She did, She didn't like that, but...
2: So uh, it's nothing she would watch.
1: No, she wouldn't watch Ash versus the Evil Dead, but... Um, I, to be I, fair,
2: I might not either because depending on the gore and stuff, like, yeah, like it surprises a lot of people given that I do haunt work. Uh, I'm not super into like a lot of gory movies i still struggle with zombie movies so it's
1: it's uh, the type of gore if i had to describe it it's not like uh it's not like a eli roth type of torture porn type of gore it's not like saw we're just talking uh, just like the original film lots and lots of red dyed karo syrup Okay. Know, just just lots of blood everywhere and there's lots of jump scares and scary stuff like that so it's not like um you know it, it's some of the stuff you'll see in horror today because i think horror has gotten a little ridiculous with not trusting the audience to make up something scary in their own minds they want to show everybody everything but yeah. anyway that's enough of me rambling about my number four choice what is your last choice for the nerdy five
2: My last choice, I wanted to put in one that I'm pretty sure is just a one-off, one-season elimination-style show, because it was just kind of interesting, but it was called Win the Wilderness, and it was just released in 2020. Have you heard of Win the Wilderness?
1: No. Tell us
2: about it. So, six couples basically compete to prove that they've got the survival skills to win the deed to an extraordinary home deep in like the wilderness in Alaska, and... Uh, basically, these this old couple like homesteaded it, and so they they went out and they built everything that was there by hand. Like they had like a whole like you can't drive there. Like there there's a helicopter that brings you down at some point. Like <laughs> uh, and it's it's in the thick of everything. And because of that, like they wanted to hand it down because they're getting older. Their kids didn't want the land, and um, so they wanted to test these couples because. You can't just call the maintenance guy when the well isn't working. Like, you have to figure a lot of stuff out. Mm. So they decided to work it out, and they made a a one-run series. Which is funny, because when I looked this up, there was a tentative, if there is going to be a second season, it'll be da-da-da. I'm like, but... The house got given away, so do you just have like plentiful houses stuck in rural, like way, way out there areas that like people are ready to do an elimination style show to give it away? Like I'm confused, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> maybe the little a celebrity version. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't know, but anywho, it's really interesting. So it's like couple teamwork. It's it's an interesting style of elimination show, and I can't think of really. Others like it in that sense because you're test driving living in this house that you are going to live in.
1: I mean, I mean, if we're talking like couples and, and teamwork, I, I think the Amazing Race has some elements of that. Um, and it, 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 Now, the, the pairs that they have on the Amazing Race aren't necessarily couples per se. You know, cu- couples in quotation marks, it could just be two friends. But, you know, these are people that know each other, that have a relationship, that, um, you know, work it out through the Amazing Race. Uh, so Oh, yeah. And, and
2: there's a lot of good teamwork. I guess what I mean is you don't win the race and then keep it at the end. Like, True. I mean, they're, it's, it, they're yeah. working and they're competing on the land and then they, they live there. And then it was an interesting side note because this all happened like right before COVID. So the couple who did win, like couldn't get back to the, <laughs> the place because COVID happened. And I actually, I haven't looked to see if that's updated since, um, but I, I don't know. I would like to think maybe they figured out how to get them back there by now, but not sure either way it's a really really interesting show to watch i thought it was a really fun little run through yeah and then uh so you're number five
1: my number five i had to go with uh probably the first show that that really i ever binged from first to last and that was a show that you can find now on hulu called 24 i'm sure you've seen an episode or two or at least know the format
2: basically, you got it. I've seen an episode or two and I basically
1: know the format. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for folks that don't know it, um, each season of the show is one 24 hour period in the life of federal agent Jack Bauer, who has to stop uh, terrorists from doing terrorist things. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it, to be fair, I, I will fully admit that, you know, the show is not without flaws, um, because of how, uh, the United States has done TV shows for the longest time, um, especially on network television, there are some times where an idea like this that is a great idea for one or two seasons can be dragged out a little bit longer than it the, than it needs to. But the beauty of 24 is that I, I think of it kind of like a series of books, you know, like, like it, we, we take Harry Potter you know, somebody it's possible to read like book two and Harry Potter and that's it. And you get one self-contained story in book two that you, that you can read. But if you wanted to read more about it, you can read the other books and, and, you know, know about that history. It's kind of the same thing with 24. Each season has its own villains and whatnot. But I, I you think back to season two and, you know, cause I caught season one on blue on uh, DVD. Um, the first season of the, sh- of the show wasn't a huge rating success, but when they sold the DVD, a lot of folks like myself caught up on it and were really excited about season two and I remember um, in season one they introduced this character by the name of Mandy who um, in, the, in the very first episode you know they they try and position her as just a passenger on a plane she's sitting next to a guy who's going to go take pictures of Senator David Palmer and whatnot. and you just think they present her as if she's just, just some you know ditzy woman who thinks oh a hot guy I'm going to have sex with him which she does in the show but then you find out She's a terrorist. She ends up blowing up the plane, you know, in, in, in like jumping off the plane and whatnot. But the reason I bring her up is that they at the end of season two, and I'm just going to give this spoiler because it's been more than 10 years since the show's been out. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I feel comfortable with that. So at the end of season two, everything... Is working out. The president is able to stop, uh, you know, whatever terror threat was able to uh, occur during that season. In fact, season two, it was funny. The guy who was the big uh, bad guy ended up playing the bad guy uh, Jigsaw in the Saw movies. But anyway, um, you think everything is going to go, it's going to be a happy ending. But then the camera turns, and then you see Mandy in the crowd. And I remember when I first saw that, I just like jumped up and I was like, oh my God, they're going to kill the president. Oh my God! And then, and then, like he came and like shook her hand at one point. And the actress who, pl- who played her, uh, Mia Kirshner, who um, did the Showtime show, The L Word, um, just has this really brilliant way of like she will show emotion, but then just out of nowhere, like just like a veil will drop in her face, and she, just, like any bit of emotion is going to be gone out of that. And just like the closing moments of season two, where where uh, Dennis Hastert, who plays, uh, to at that point uh, President David. Palmer, um, who now does insurance commercials, <laughs> um, you know, like the la- you uh, like hear like, like him breathing, he- uh, you know, breathing heavily, and you hear his, like heartbeat kind of fading out, and it's just like they killed the president. Oh my god! And just, just, it's it's a wonderful show. Like I said, it's not without its flaws. I will be the first to admit that. But the beauty of Twenty Four is that you can just focus on one season and kind of get it. You know, there, there's a lot to watch in here. And and I like the fact, too, that they were able to bring in a lot of great character actors, you know, like uh, Xander Berkeley, um, probably... You probably aren't familiar with him in terms of being able to picture him, but I can guarantee you've seen him. You know, he he was the bad guy in Air Force One. He was John Connor's step uh, Foster Foster father in Terminator Two: Judgment Day. He's the one that the the um, the the Liquid Terminator ended up killing when he was drinking the milk at home. Um, just a lot of a lot of great actors. It's a great show. Like I said, it's on Hulu. I, I, I can't, I can't recommend the show enough. But the Nerdy Five is in the books for another week. That brings us to our album review of the week. Now, with this choice, I wanted to because uh, the, the past couple times you brought up the uh, the nerd core choices. I have not been fans of that, and that, and that's okay. It, you know, it just be, you know, I, I make it very clear that just because I don't like something, I'm not the type of person that's going to say that just because I don't like it that makes it bad. That I would be a dick for saying that. But I, th- you know, last week when we were going through your choices, I think this was an instance where I, I think you were kind of excited to bring this choice, and then you were a little disappointed at my reaction. <laughs> and,
2: see, yes, but see, I held face with it fine. (laughs)
1: And you did, and you did, of course But I wanted, I made the concerted effort to kind of, you know, look for something out there now when we first uh the fr- the first nordcore album that uh we reviewed was from schaefer the dark lord and uh when we posted that um someone actually followed me on twitter uh, about that an artist by the name of uh lex the lexicon artist that's that's her hip-hop name <laughs> um and uh funny enough she actually has an album that just within the past week debuted so um i listened to it and i really really enjoyed it and so i thought why not you know why not uh talk about this album so one i can show that i'm not a nerdcore snob
2: Uh, (laughs) and two he could just prove that the reverend tracy has shit taste in nerdcore music no i'm just kidding no 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 (laughs) no 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 no, no. actually the two that i i like also have very good fan following so just some light-hearted trash talk
1: yeah and well to people that made uh wonder why. It's like I I want to show that I'm not that I I don't want to. I'm not the type of person that's going to blindly dismiss something just because the one or two choices I've seen haven't been my cup of tea. So um, we're going to review her uh, Lex, the Lex Con artist's new album, Lex and the City. Now before we begin, what were your overall general thoughts of this
2: album? Um, I'm pretty sure I have a new favorite album that will end up on at least some of the songs will end up on a playlist. There's a few on there. I mean, cause I just feel like that happens with any album. There's going to be a few that aren't your cup of tea. That's why they kind of have a, a range of typical variety whenever you get an album. So I guarantee you like something, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, so I mean, other than a few, most of these, I think I would love on a playlist. I really liked your style. Um, I had a little side chat cause you know, my brother was the one that introduced me to a lot of nerdcore stuff and, uh, he likes to give me crap about my, like, girl crush on uh, <laughs> She For The Dark Lord sometimes because I, I do. I'm a little bit nerdcore crush on him in, in a sense. But um, I was telling him that there was a lot of how she enunciated. that there's certain parts in songs where she kind of reminded me of some of his delivery style. Mm-hmm. So I liked that. But it's not that she sounded like him or was, like, ripping off of him. There was just something about how she, like, phrased and used certain emphasis on syllables and stuff. That reminded me a lot of the style that I enjoy in Shape of the Dark Lord.
3: Yep.
1: Um, I gotta say, myself, uh, one, and I will probably go into it uh, as we go t- uh, into it track by track here. I, uh, to your point, I did like her delivery style with the lyrics a lot more than uh, the previous uh, two nerdcore choices that we have, just because to me, it felt more natural. Um, you know, again, hip hop is going to be lyrically heavy. Here we go. Let's throw that in there. Um, you but know how Tim
2: you, gets intimidated by a lot of words.
1: Yeah, those <laughs> multiple syllables scare me. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I loved her delivery, and I also loved the, the kind of the personas she created. Uh, you know, in in each song here. You know, because yeah, I mean, we'll go and do it song by song here. But you know, it's it's a real fun album from first to last. You know. To your point, yeah, not every track is going to, I'm, I'm going to say is my absolute favorite of all time or anything like that. But having said that, it's a great flow from track to track, you know, from yes. first to last, you know, even if something is not your absolute favorite, it's, it's, it's there for a reason. Very good album. So um, let's go through it track by track here. Now, track number one, Hot Enough. What were your thoughts?
2: I absolutely love this song. Like the minute the song came on and got into it, and I realized it was just kind of a joke, uh-huh. I was like, "I'm going to like this human." Um, <laughs> hot <laughs> enough to steal your man, but I'm not gonna do that shit just because I can. I just I love that attitude about it. But I like the the intro where she was just like, "This entire album is ridiculous." Like she just goes ahead and lets you know there's gonna be a lot of ridiculousness going forward. I was in it. it's absolutely true. Uh, wow. With some of them, especially later. But I like the jokiness to get me started into an album. Like, even if the rest of the album is totally, like, music and non-character, if somebody does something kind of funny to pull me into it, I can appreciate it. And this one hit that. And I think I got, like, mostly to the end of it before I realized I should have been taking notes on the actual music itself. Um, Because I just, like I said, I I fell in love with it, and then I related to it in a weird way. Like, I can't believe women find me a threat now, because I was very much that nerd kid in school. Like, I didn't, I had my own table at lunch. It was amazing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You ever watch a kid play Magic the Gathering by themselves while waiting on the band hall to open? That was me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. And then, like, as I got older and then, you know, that happens, right? Like, you move away, and especially, like, leaving Texas just because of their version of beauty is way different than, than this whole area. And that's just, uh, you know, that's cultural. Uh, we have a lot of cultures in America. Shocker. Yeah. But um, I get along more than this culture now. But uh, yeah, so really funny, liked it. And then the music really just kind of had me bopping along too. I just realized I didn't take any notes on it, but I I just enjoyed the lyrics and the jokes so much of it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, um, the notes I had, I I loved the opening monologue after the "I'm back" and then is that something you're supposed to say? anyhow? <laughs> you know, I mean. Yes, I, that was I,
2: what it was. I didn't write down the first thing she said. I was like, <laughs> just calling it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, the "I'm hot enough to steal your man, but I'm not gonna steal your man" lines. I mean, just absolutely hilarious um the music um to your point for the most part the beats that are laid down are very simple so it's it is kind of hard to really judge them because they are simple having said that just because they're simple doesn't make them bad and they actually added a lot to the humor in his song um you know so i i definitely appreciated that the lyric delivery on point, really good. Overall, I just enjoyed how she was able to express that feeling of self doubt everyone gets while still playing cocky. Um, you know, it, 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 in a way, I, I was reminded of like superhero movies, like when a superhero um, first discovers their power, and then you have that scene like in Spider Man, uh, the original Spider Man, when he first sh- learns how to shoot his webs. You know, he, you know, he like leaves school and then learns that he can climb up a building and start swinging everywhere, and in, in, in a kind of get that feeling here like she's discovering that you know you know that others find her attractive now she she has this power to break up relationships but she won't do that you know um you know just i i, I just a fun way a fun fun way to to start everything off uh, on the album here so um track number 2 hotel bed I'll go with my notes here um the the simple keyboard with to start things off was a nice touch Sometimes musicians want to jam as much as they can into a song, not realizing that sometimes less can be more. Um, If it's a simple riff, but it gets you moving, it's going to be good. Um, The song is kind of an ode to casual sex and cheap motels. Um, I would be shocked if Gangster's Paradise didn't influence this song in some way for the chorus because it did kind of um, have that, you know, like the rapping and then kind of the singing part, which kind of made me think of that. So I don't know if it was intentional or... Just coincidental or something like that, but um, once again, loved her delivery. Um, yeah, just in it it celebrates it celebrates the joys of casual sex too, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And the shout outs to the cheap motels at the end, I laughed. I mean, just one hell of a song. What did you think?
2: Um, pretty much the same thing. I said I like the from the beginning, basically the beat and the little drum kit. I think kind of effect is how I would describe it. And I like that it kind of carried through the song, but it it kind of worked. It goes back to kind of what you said in the beginning, that it's not anything complex, but it is well done. It is Mm -hmm. simple, but well done. I think that's a good way to kind of put some of the the beat work in, because really, most of them, I liked it. I liked the work um, underneath the lyrics, too. This song, to me, had really kind of set that initial impression. Like, the first song I heard, I thought, there's some ways that she says things that kind of reminds me of, of Shape of the Dark Lord's Delivery. If I do call him STD, by the way, that's, like, just another <laughs> – I've got it abbreviated, and he, he refers to himself as STD sometimes. So. That's what true but, fans uh, say, yeah. If we guess so. But, uh, <laughs> but anywho, so these two together, like, there were parts of it for some reason that reminded me of – he's got a song called I'm a Ghost – But, uh, that's just what kind of came to my head. Like, wow, that just kind of reminded me, not like in a ripped off way. Like I said, just how she enunciates and says certain words, like just kind of reminded me, but that's not a bad thing at all to me. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny. It's like, you know, you've got roommates, so I guess you get a hotel bed. I mean, if you've got money, God, I mean, I had roommates in college. I never got to go pay for a hotel.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what a good speaker is for. You know, you turn it up really loud.
2: And, yeah, uh, you, you wait for them much to much go much. for a party or something or whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Um, since we got a drinking break here, things uh, for folks that don't know, if you, if you're just listening to the show on, uh, on uh, the audio show, you can now watch it on YouTube as well, and uh, we'll have little extra bonus content on there. But um, we'll move on to the next song here pieces. What did you think?
2: I really like the sound uh, to the intro, including the vocal effects. I don't usually dig like that voice echoey style. And like in a way, the when I try to think like, where have I heard it that I didn't like it? It kind of reminded me, it's like, I'm bringing sexy back. And (laughs) not at all that this sounded like that, uh, because my point was that was it not working. She made that style work in this. Like, she pulled it off, and I also love that break it down feeling as it approached the bridges to the song. Um, It kind of gets your attention, and I, I really, there's actually a few songs here that I really liked her bridge work. Um, It really stood out to me. This was one of the songs that had really good bridge work. Um, This is the first song that didn't sound like it was a joke, like up until the point she says, I want to fuck you to pieces. Like, (laughs) like for a second there, I thought she was going to maybe be a little bit more serious. And then that made it even more funny to me because (laughs) I couldn't quite put together the mood of the song up until I want to fuck you to pieces. And then I just said in this one, I also like the variety of sounds worked with throughout this one. The mixing was really great and none of the elements really overworked. They went together, even though if you listen, there's a lot of little things going on.
1: Yep. All right. uh, The notes I had. It's a deceivingly slow song that really gets you moving. Yes. Um, It would be great to listen to in a club setting because I think if you get a bunch of people dancing to this song, um, it it could bring a lot more energy to that. It gets you grooving. Uh, For some strange reason, reason I could picture this in a Fast and Furious movie. I mean, it kind of has that feel of similar type of music that would play. I'm I'm sure she's probably listening. Like,
2: what the fuck?
1: (laughs) But uh, the sorry, we're
2: trying our best.
1: Um, I guess the person who created the beats uh, is Zilla Persona. I'm assuming that's a stage name, but, you know, especially for this song, uh, they did a good job. Um, It's a great story of a woman that's interested in a guy who's too shy to make the move. So she makes it for him. It's playful. Plus, it shows how silly nerves can be when you get two people that are interested in each other. I mean, now me, I've never, ever been guilty of ever being nervous in a situation like that, so I can't possibly relate. <laughs> but
2: anyway... I'm just going to give you a look. <laughs>
1: <laughs> our YouTube folks, will see that. But anyway, um, we'll move on here to our the next song. 26. The notes I had. I can totally relate to the sentiment of the song... But the 44 year old in me wants to yell. If you think 26 is bad, wait till you turn 24. Um,
2: so I, I'm only interjecting to say that my first note is all right. Well, I'm 35, so fuck this song, like as a total joke.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was
2: like, oh man, shit. Like the 26 year old who, by the way, just side note. No matter how you feel about our review of an album, like she's probably been way more successful in what she does than us in what we do. So I can always go into context on our review. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so sorry. I just thought that was funny. That was the first thing you had to say, and that was kind of the first note I had too But please continue.
1: <laughs> okay, I put I uh, love the piano opening. It was kind of reminiscent of Dr. Dre, and I want to make clear that my only point of reference for piano work in hip hop is Dr. Dre. <laughs> The song is lyrically heavy, yet she once again delivers the lyrics in a nice, smooth way. It flows really well. Um, This isn't the first song where she drops some big words, yet, again, the delivery is smooth. There's no... Kind of stuttering that I experienced with the other artist, um, just very well done. I loved the upright bass; it stood out. Um, when hip hop is able to drop actual instruments into the mix, when done right, it adds a lot more to the song, uh, which it did here. And and she does capture perfectly that feeling people can get about age. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, like when I was that twenty six, sure I, I I get that because it's 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 human to wonder how the hell did I get to this point and not end up dying in a way that would make an awesome youtube video you know um, but what were your thoughts
2: um so like i said i kind of had the joke about you know well i guess i'm 35 so my life's totally over um <laughs> Thanks and for I, it, it goes to the i really enjoyed the beats and everything again like what you said the piano the bass I I like her work with everything that she did there. For me, um, it wasn't my favorite song on the album, and it wasn't because of the age joke. Uh, For me, a song really has to be the part that makes me move. Like, the first time I hear it, I wish I knew the words. Um, Usually, like in this one, it was almost like the opposite. Like I almost wish I knew all of the rap parts and I could have kind of done without some of the chorus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it just hit that just over that uh, that little bit of the repetitiveness, and it was just because of how many times she said twenty six, and then uh, the the keyboard matching with it. And that's not even really that bad of a thing. I was mostly trying to figure out like why I felt the repetitiveness like got to me in the song, and I think it was just because it matched like with her tone as she said the word I don't know that's just probably overanalyzing it but, it. Um, but I did really like it, it, I guess it was interesting to like all of a song except the lyrics or not the lyrics the, uh, the chorus
1: got it okay uh, we'll move on to the next track here I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly I think it's I Face
2: Aggie, yeah, because see, and I listened to it before we got recording because I, yeah. I want to try to remember some of the beats and stuff a bit better. I was Aggie, Hayo uh, oh, I forget. She'll, I'm sure she's hopefully going to have a laugh at how bad we're butchering that. But <laughs> yeah. um, did you want to go first on this one, or did you want me to?
1: Uh, well, well what were your thoughts?
2: Um, this one kind of took me back to clubbing songs. You know, it actually, kind of uh, in a way, it reminded me of a little bit of Missy Elliott. I don't know if anybody would agree with that, but again, that goes into the kind of songs that played back when I went clubbing. Um, But uh, I was just about to think, okay, this might not be my most favorite, and then she gets to the explanation of the face, and then it got back, uh, (laughs) then I got back to, okay, now this song's kind of getting funny, and I kind of picked up that it was more of making fun of the clubbing culture which kind of gave me that appreciation for it a little bit more again. Like this is a song that it might not be on my repeat list. And I thought I wasn't even going to like it very much. But once I got past kind of that initial repetitive of the agio face part in the beginning, and then you get to kind of the jokey part of it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this one was a really funny one. Um, and then I, I, yeah, I, I like the beat, honestly, and even though it was a kind of a different style than her prior songs, and it was a little mm-hmm. bit more of like I said that club kind of bumping feel, uh, she played with it well, and I dug the variety.
1: Okay, uh, the notes I had: um, it's an interesting song. <laughs> Not one hundred percent sure what it's about. Um, I, I think. It's, it's about, you know, while it's not wrong to enjoy stuff like hentai, publicly wearing hentai images is kind of creepy. Um, as evidence on the album, she's not against it, people enjoying sex or anything like that. But it is good to not necessarily have sexually explicit material out in the open on T-shirts or stuff like that. Um, the music was simple for the song. Didn't really stand out um, in a positive way for me. It kind of remind there was an usher song in the late 2000s, like, eh, 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 and just just a constant repeat of the same beat that just I, I the personal preference didn't sit well with me. Um, and so far, while I agree with the message, um, this would have to be in a list of tracks I didn't care for. Um, I guess she referenced uh, an influencer by the name of Belle Delphine, um, who did a little research. And I guess she got into some trouble for selling her bathwater. I guess she was like one of those. 21 year old gamers that, um, you know, is like cute, it's like cute model type person, but she plays games, um, posts pictures of herself in cosplay stuff. But, um, you know, I guess some of it may be about that. Um, and based on the lyrics, maybe the song is also about not comparing yourself to others as well, not trying to compare yourself to anything. I did like the line so don't be self conscious, half want to be honest, orgasms demand no decorum and lean into pleasure, but don't feel no pressure to act like an anime porn yeah so it's just so
2: reading song. through it or sorry like i guess hearing the lyrics a little bit better i guess like maybe it's not about clubbing maybe it's about your own oh face <laughs> but i totally took it like to be more of a clubbing song but see and now <laughs> going through the lyrics again i was like oh face got
1: it all right let's go on to the next one downtown featuring hilla the killer <laughs> some of these hip-hop names all right uh, the notes i had i love the opening rift Um, this is what wet ass pussy should have been. Um, it's funny, explicit, but inventive. Her way with words, enough can't be said with how good she is on the mic. She captured the spirit of women that know what they want from a guy. Uh, Loved how strong she came across in the song, too. And she's right. If guys aren't going to to town down there, what the fuck is wrong with them? The music for the song, while on the simple side, really adds to what she's trying to accomplish here. Um, It makes it funnier by being more serious. What did you think?
2: My first note is... Well, a song about Eaton Poon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, And I I didn't really know what to say at first, but I I enjoyed it. And it's great that you also mentioned WAP because I want this song to get mainstream just to watch all the people who had a fit over WAP, like, just have a fucking heart attack. Um, It was really funny. I liked the beat. I dug the effects. I thought it was really fun altogether. And then I just, I'm sorry, her saying I think it was. Um, I'll eat your fucking ass out so good you can't even speak. It's just the... okay. like, well, I'm just hey, we can read <laughs> lyrics. We're adults here, but it's just yeah. there's something so jarring just hearing that come from like just. <laughs>
1: You'd never hear the Beatles say that.
2: <laughs> well, exactly, but I so but her voice has a like I like her voice. She has a very like it's a nice tonal quality to me. So mm-hmm. to me, like hearing this song and just being a very crude and having that come from like this kind of very pleasant, like to me a very pleasant, like nice voice, like it made it even better to me. You know,
1: I think I, I you said that and I immediately thought of Alison Hannigan in American Pie about you know the the flute at band camp type of deal when it's delivered when it's delivered in that innocent way and and she's talking about all you know everything that she's talking about it it, that dichotomy is is definitely definitely great so um i actually even played the song for uh, professor aubrey and professor aubrey was dancing in her seat so that is a sign of approval right there and I,
2: i will dig any song that will just totally handle the side comment of consent just I and she does she brings that up a little bit in there so kudos like that's okay to bring up just yeah and then it still managed to be really really funny but yeah it's just the, the the be cool to each other the good giving and game type of mentality behind it I also dug
1: and and, and don't be shy about it either because if you know you're in the middle of doing that just have fun Go nuts. <laughs>
2: if you like doing that to people's bottoms then just talk to them about it and see if they're into it too I guess or make a song about it
1: yeah (laughs) can i please no so should we go on to number seven yeah before i say anything else (laughs) okay the song song number seven fuck nerds what did you think
2: I, I said I like the, light, uh, the nice electronica type sound and her vocals throughout. Like it, it was a great way it just hit the song running like that and then kept going. I like that she can maintain speed when she's actually kind of, I guess, technically kind of spitting out lyrics at that point, but still enunciate the words so they're not lost. Yes. Because I think that's a very awesome skill to have, and that is something that is hard to... To enunciate even sometimes when you're acting, let alone when you're singing and trying to keep up with the song and trying to pace your breath. So that to me is always something that I will notice in a song. When I can still hear and understand every word you say, but you are like going really fast. Um, this one was a little bit uh, repetitive on the chorus, but it landed well with me this time. I no, Like I said, it's a magical thing. Sometimes I really like repeti- repetition and sometimes I don't. But this one, all throughout, I like this song. It would definitely be on a playlist for me.
1: Nice. Uh, the notes I had. I love the opening beats. I, I, the franticness. I, you know, it 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 gets you moving. Um, it, it sounded a lot like uh, the hip hop band Run the Jewels. Uh, and I'm not 100% familiar with that band, but I know they did. Uh, they used one of their songs in uh, the trailer to Black Panther. Um, but it just a very similar type of, of sounds. Don't know if it was intentional or coincidental or not. But um, and I put she's right in the song. Nerds are so much better at sex um all the cool popular people may not think so but nerd cu- culture for the most part is it you know has been more sex positive than anything else that, than i've experienced you know give me a nerdy girl any day of the week than some you know cheerleader type who you know fuck them anyway yeah good i good, mean uh, go ahead. yeah and I, I like
2: i said i kind of like that there's that uh because it goes back to i, I guess i'm just crushing on shape of the dark lord with it again but you know he's very open about like some of his sexuality and sex stuff and uh, a little bit in therapy a little bit in the you know other works and albums that he did so I dig seeing it being covered that people are into sex and different sex things um, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's the one genre that I feel like actually kind of touches on it in a way that is funny, but also kind of still manages to touch on kind of that, like, I don't know, just the acceptance policy of it. Uh,
1: th- yeah. I mean, cause it's, I mean, there are v- people that engage in lots and lots of sex that it, it's still fulfilling in their lives and it should be, you know, it sh- we should have that open discussion about yeah. that. You know, so. And sex um,
2: skills is really like an individual thing, anyway. Like, just because you're a jock doesn't mean you're good or bad either. Just throwing that out there. I'm just saying, if you've got a nerd, give them a chance.
1: I know they they may surprise you. <laughs>
2: yeah, didn't you learn anything from Revenge of the Nerds? Come on.
1: Certified nerd. Such uh, a creepy <laughs> scene,
2: like nowadays. Just sorry, that scene is so creepy now if you think about it. But anyway.
1: <laughs> Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that, so uh, let's not even go there. All right.
2: Won't.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Last track on the album, Asian American Beauty. I'll go with my notes here. Nintendo opening beats. It sounded like a, it's, The opening sounds uh, kind of like sounded like it came from like an old uh, video game. Um, and I put a song celebrating her ass. <laughs> it's not really, but uh, there's much more to it. Of course, it's about how, in the grand scheme of things, the idea of beauty is not. On some definite scale, beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. What's considered beautiful today may not be considered beautiful tomorrow, or it may be defined in one way in one part of the world and differently in a different part of the world. Ultimately, it's about accepting the beauty within you because, you know, you're not going to. I mean, she talked about how like in in one part of the world, you know, the the fact that she she has a decent size rear end was not looked at so well. But then when she went to another part of the world, that made her all all the rave at parties, you know, and being sarcastic. You get my point. It's just you got if you don't have that self love, you're not necessarily going to find that the the love from other people as well. But uh, what were your thoughts?
2: So, the first one I have is a Strutton song. Like, I've told you, like, there's just something that just makes you move your shoulders side to side, and it just... I really love the energy, Um, and another song where a lot of effects are being used, but they were used really well together, and it immediately made me want to move like that. I don't know what it is about a song that makes me feel like it should be accompanied with, like, a pimp stride, but I love it immediately. Like, most people are into anthems. I like, like, pimp stride songs, I guess. And I think I'm going to have the term Asian American booty stuck in my head for some time. But it's really catchy. I really liked it. Um, like it's it's like kind of almost anthemy to the body image thing, because it really was talking about, again, it goes into almost a callback to hot enough in a sense, like whenever she was younger, right? She talked Mm -hmm. about that earlier. And then she's talking about where she was from, right? She couldn't find anything that kind of fit her right. Like nobody had like a big booty where she was from, you know, and then she starts like trying on clothes from. Here, and she's like, what was it, an Asian girl with a Brooklyn booty? I think is what she said at one point or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I thought she said Brooklyn booty because, you know, the, the the just easy to remember that. But um, but I love the one part, and I, I, I love a song uh, that can talk about accepting your own beauty and still take just that one millisecond to shout out to other people and be like, oh, by the way, like, you're all great, too. And she actually straight says like, "Remember, you deserve to be hot, Asian or not, um, because you know she gets that stereotype thrown at her. I'm sure quite a bit. I, you know, I haven't followed her on anything yet. I probably will after this. Um, but you know, so I don't know, be ever, <laughs> I don't know if she's ever. I don't know if she's ever like uh, like addressed that like if she's ever been approached because of her Asianness. I mean, I'm maybe assuming so because I'm pretty yeah. aware of that being a bit of a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like oh. Like, uh, there's permission to hit on somebody because they are of a certain, yeah. Well,
1: there there are guys that think that women are, like, punch cards, you know, like yeah. or, like, bingo cards or something like that. Hey, I got an Asian one, bingo! And it, yeah. that's not how life works, you know? <laughs> no,
2: but I really, I just really loved this song. I think this one's going to definitely go on some playlists for me.
1: Yeah, and, and if anything, it was one hell of a way to kind of wrap up the album. I mean, kind yeah. of the fact that it touches back to other themes, you know, and not only in the first song of the album, but other other themes in the, in the complete album as well. Um, uh, you know, I'm glad I took the time to, to dive in and, and, and give this a listen. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. And then I will definitely check out some of her other works. So um, I, I, I assume I can speak safely for you and that you will do that as well, correct?
2: Oh, yes, probably will be um i don't i mean i've told you i've really the music i've been listening to the albums has been the most music i've listened to in a long time but uh i think i'm slowly working some music back into my routine while i am around the house more because Mm i i am here because it is cold and flu season so i try not to go out too much
1: Right. Um, but yeah like we mentioned uh, when we started the review this album is new um, it was released about a week ago as we record this so um, if you are if we piqued your interest with our review uh, just go to our show notes where there will be a link to go to her website to purchase the album um, I, I learned recently from another artist that uh, I, I followed that uh, we actually reviewed her album on our show before um, that Spotify is doing this weird thing of like it will allow performers to get advertisement on spotify but you would be sacrificing some of your royalty payments by doing so uh, which 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 makes me think that they also have algorithms in place for the micro indie artist, you know, who's just breaking out that nobody ever heard of, that will prevent them from getting, you know, a proper notice and whatnot. So if you can go out and actually buy the work, like I said, we'll have the link to uh, Lex's website where um, I know you can buy that on Bandcamp, and um, you definitely want to... Like I said before in other episodes, even if we're um, giving a Review that's not so great. We, we want to support artists, especially artists yeah. that are kind of like a do it yourself type of person. I mean, she's got a blue check mark, so she's doing better than us, but you know, yeah, just, like I
2: said, no matter what, if we've said anything accidentally insulting to this human, you're miles ahead of us, and we're older than you, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're old, ancient. I mean, God, looking what's left of my hair. Oh my god, um, but anyway, <laughs> falling apart. But Lex, the lexicon artist. Great album, "Lex in the City." And then it's, another thing I forgot to mention too: I love the the cover of the album because it yes. reminds it reminds me it's it's it reminds me of those old. Um, are you familiar with the rap artist Master P? He he was out in the '90s, um, in, in the late '90s, uh, for oh, a brief minute. Um, he he was famous for a song called "Make Him Say." Uh. Um, but uh, the album covers that he had were always the most you know, it's one of those things. It's like what someone thinks a rich person would do if they've never seen a rich person before. I mean, it was like alligators with gold chains or st- just stuff like that. And it kind of <laughs> reminded me of that. Just the, the cover itself is funny as hell because um, it kind of captures the mood she's trying to create on the album here but I can't say enough of this and I will also put it out there too um she's mentioned she she is aware that we made this episode and she said publicly on Twitter that she is anxiously awaiting what we have to say so the invite is out there if you like our review and don't think we're assholes, um, you can come on the show anytime. We would love to have you on and talk about Nerdcore, because I think she may have done some work with Shape of the Dark Lord, too, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Well, when I Googled her, um, it said, search alongside with. So that was the first cue that I'm like, Yay. <laughs>
1: So, uh, so yeah. I mean, uh, if she's listening, you're definitely welcome on the show at any time. We, I mean, because if anything, if you do come on the show, you're helping us out more than we're helping you out. Um, so, but and but maybe we, you
2: can teach us how to be grown ups and have some of our shit together. So, yeah,
1: yeah. And if you can teach me how to grow some hair again, I don't know. But anyway, um, but that's gonna wrap it up here for another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. Uh, we thank you all for listening. Um, any final thoughts?
2: Oh, absolutely not. I'm ready to go back to staring at the computer screen, which I'm assuming we're not going to hear any more election results tonight, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're uh, it, we're, cl- we're close. So I guess last I checked, Biden is up to 264 because they've uh, flipped Michigan his way and it's looking good in Pennsylvania and Arizona. But with the geopolitics, G- excuse me, with the GOP, who knows. Um, but that's yeah, going to be... we'll just um, have to
2: see what happens, basically, at this point, folks. And then, like, I've kind of forewarned, buckle up, because I don't really think either way this is going to be completely done. Yeah,
1: they're... they're, they're, they're the GO, Trump yeah. is going to fight tooth and nail to keep this and do every dirty trick he can. Yeah. And, hey, try.
2: just throwing it out there, even if Trump wins, Biden's going to do his too. So, like I said, just be be chill. Don't get too anxious, everybody, about what happens, like necessarily tonight. Yes, is it eye opening for our country? And hey, if you're anxious about tonight and you're not voting at every chance, maybe let this be a wake up call to vote a little bit more often. And uh, you know, we can see some big changes. But either way, be chill. It's going to be an interesting ride. Hopefully, we'll know by January who our presidents going to be.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, and. Uh... I don't know. I I am I am cautiously optimistic that that the right outcome will occur. But even with the right outcome, you know, until twenty twenty two, you know, there's not much that's really gonna um, be happening anyway. So yeah. on that on that cheery note, um, for the audio folks, we will um, definitely see you next time. And remember.
4: It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're growing inside. And when you wake up, ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new. And I'll have more ideas for you. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will, too. You always make each day such a special day. You know how. By just your being you. Only one person in the whole world like you. That's you yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye.
0: Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon.
3: Goodbye, darling.